Hello, this is Pastor Marty Macedo from Fellow Helpers Ministries bringing you another podcast from the Pastor Study, Biblical Lessons in the Battlefield of Life from a retired pastor of 45 years who was saved after serving as a Staff Sergeant Airborne Ranger in Vietnam. My testimony is shared in podcast number one. It is my desire to share with you lessons the Lord has taught me over my years of living as a Christian and serving as a pastor. These podcasts are intended to whet your appetite for further personal Bible study. They'll be short, 20 to 30 minutes, and having your Bible and something to jot down notes might be helpful. If you have any questions, you can contact me by email, masitofhm at gmail.com. That is M-A-S-I-T-T-O, F-H-M for Fellow Helpers Ministries at gmail.com. The study of our Bible study today is Barabbas, a portrait of God's love from Mark chapter 15, verses 6 to 15. Why does the Lord mention Barabbas 10 times in the four Gospels? Also, we're going to note that a notable prisoner and our noble Savior illustrate the biblical doctrine of substitutionary atonement beautifully. What does that mean? Well, let's read Mark chapter 15, 6 to 15, and find out. As we go to Mark chapter 15, verse 6, we read these words. Now at that feast, he released unto them one prisoner, whomsoever they desired. And there was one named Barabbas, which lay bound with them that had made insurrection with him, who had committed murder in the insurrection. And the multitude, crying aloud, began to desire him to do as he had ever done unto them. But Pilate answered them, saying, Will ye that I release unto you the king of the Jews? Verse 10. For he knew that the chief priest had delivered him for envy. But the chief priest moved the people that he should rather release Barabbas unto them. And Pilate answered and said again unto them, What will ye then that I shall do unto him whom ye call the king of the Jews? And they cried out again, Crucify him. Then Pilate said unto them, Why, what evil hath he done? And they cried out the more exceedingly, Crucify him. And so Pilate, willing to contend the people, released Barabbas unto them and delivered Jesus when he had scourged him to be crucified. Let's pray and begin. Our Father in heaven, we know you love us, and we see it illustrated so many ways in the scripture, and we see it taught in verse after verse that we've committed to memory. But we thank you for this portrait that you painted for us through the life of Barabbas, and thank you, Father, that we can look at it today and see your love in the depth that it is and in the way that it was displayed, not just to him, but to all of us who will believe on thy name. So thank you, Father, for giving us these scriptures and truths. Help us to be free from distraction. Help us to be able to see them clearly. And we'll thank you in Christ's name. Amen. As we take a look at our subject today, Barabbas, a portrait of God's love, we're looking primarily here at chapter 15 of Mark and verses 6 through 15, which we just read. I just read this past week that there are some 2,500 individuals on what is called death row. That is, there are people that have committed some crime that has committed them to death, and they are waiting for their execution. Now, can you imagine what it would be like to be on death row waiting for your execution? I'm certain that your mind would probably wonder about 
if only I had done this different or that different, or if only I'd been in that place instead of this place, I wouldn't be on death row today. There is probably a thinking or thought of uncertainty as to what will actually happen when I'm executed. Will it be by, by different methods that they use? What, what's it going to be? And then thirdly, I'm sure they're wondering, how will it feel? Will I have a prolonged period of pain? Will it be a short period of pain? What, what is going to happen? And then, of course, there's the uncertainty of what lies on ahead. A believer in Christ has assurance of what lies ahead, but many that are on death row today don't have any assurance of what lies ahead. And then there can also be even the uncertainty in our day, not so much in the day we're looking at in Mark, because in that day, the Roman rule was solid and 100%. But you might wonder today, these people on death row, how many of them are, are just vexed, waiting to see if there's going to be a stay of execution or possibly even a pardon? It, it, I'm painting a picture here that I believe Barabbas is facing as he is looking at this uh, date of his execution as he sits on death row. And this is the passage of scripture that God chooses to illustrate this beautiful truth of his love. In our passage today, we have a man named Barabbas, as we already mentioned and we read, on dead ro death row. And as we look at him here, we can see the strain on his face and we can see the sweat on his brow as he awaits this time of hearing his name and knowing his number is up and his execution is going to proceed. Now, before we go into that, let's notice something from chapter 15 of Mark and verse 6. It says this, Now at that feast he released unto them one prisoner, whomsoever they desired. As we look at the setting for what we're going to be studying here in a moment, we recognize that there was a custom at this time in the Roman government, and that custom was that at the time of the feast, there would be a prisoner released, and the Jewish people would decide who that prisoner is. Now remember, in case you're not aware of it, back in the day in which we're looking at here in AD 33, you had the Jewish government and you had the Jewish laws and someone could offend in the Jewish law and Jewish people could be punished by the Jewish law, but there were limits on that. And one of the limits was a person could not be put to death by Jewish law. If a person was convicted or condemned to death under Jewish law, they'd have to be sent to the Roman law and then the Roman law would have to implement that. The Roman law overrode the Jewish law in this regard. Well, the Jewish people had sentenced Jesus and said he was worthy of death. Now he had gone before Pilate and he was being considered to be worthy of death as the Jewish people wanted him put to death. And you'll notice, though, in, as he's a prisoner here and, and Barabbas is a prisoner here, verse 6 comes to play. Now at the feast, he released unto them one prisoner whomsoever they desired. And Pilate's desire, if you were to study these four gospel accounts of this incident, was to let Jesus go. But the Jewish desire was to cause him to be crucified. And that was done by the motivation of the chief priest. If you look at chapter 15, verse 10, for he knew that the chief priest had delivered him for envy. And the other passages carry this out too. So the setting is there's uh, the feast and there is a prisoner to be released, and the people are receiving two options. Matthew 27, 15 puts it this way, want to release one prisoner. 
Luke 23, 17 says this, For of necessity release one. John chapter 18, verse 39 says, You have a custom, release one. And of course, as we read in Mark 15, 6, release unto them one prisoner. And there appears to be, as we've mentioned, only two options given to them. The option of Barabbas. You see that in chapter 15, verse 7. There was one named Barabbas, which lay bound with them, that had made insurrection with him, who had committed murder in the insurrection. You also see Barabbas' name in verse 11. But the chief priest moved the people that he should rather release Barabbas unto them. And then you see his name again in verse 15. And so Pilate, willing to consent the people, released Barabbas unto them and delivered Jesus when he had scourged him to be crucified. The other option was Jesus, chapter 15 and verse 9. Pilate answering them, saying, Will ye that I release unto you the king of the Jews? That's Jesus. Notice chapter 15, verse 12, where we read, And Pilate answered and said unto them, What excuse me, what will ye then that I shall do unto him whom ye call the king of the Jews? And then we see in verse 15, And so Pilate, willing to contend the people, released Barabbas unto them and delivered Jesus, the king of the Jews, when he had scourged him to be crucified. So here we have the setting. We have Barabbas in prison under the sentence of death, waiting for his execution. And here we have the feast in which one prisoner was to be released to please the Jewish people. And that prisoners, the options today were uh, Barabbas or Jesus. And the people chose Barabbas. Now, Barabbas, awaiting on death row, <clears throat> no doubt, uh, was in a dark and desolate place, probably had some kind of window, and probably could hear some kind of the activity that was taking place outside. And I want us to note, as Barabbas is sitting in this prison under the sentence of death, that he hears three words come out very clearly. The first word, I believe, is his name. We already looked at that, didn't we? As we noted in chapter 15 of Mark, Three different times his name is given, and yet I want you to see something else about this. If I take my Bible and turn to Matthew chapter 27, and if I note verse 21, you'll read these words, Matthew 27 and verse 21. And the governor answered and said unto them, Whither of the twain, remember they had two options, will ye that I release unto you? And they said, Barabbas. It's a little stronger when you take a look at the book of Luke and the account that's given there in chapter 23, because in Luke 23, in verse 18, it actually says this, And they cried out all at once, saying, Away with this man, and release unto us Barabbas. Now, I'm bringing that out because I want you to listen carefully to how that's worded. It says, <clears throat> verse 16, I'm sorry, in verse 18, it says, and they cried out all at once. Can you imagine how loud that was? The Jewish people and the, and, the, and the chief scribes and Pharisees being moved with envy and stirring up the crowd and Pilate's talking to them and giving them two options. And all of a sudden, above everything else, you hear this name, Barabbas, Barabbas. John chapter 18, verse 40 brings out the same thing. It says, Then cried they all again, saying, Not this man, but Barabbas. 
Now, when you go back to our passage of scripture in Mark, I want you to note in verse 13 and 14 that there are two other words that Barabbas no doubt heard. He heard his name, and obviously when you hear your name, you kind of turn your head, don't you? Get your attention. Uh, you can be in a mall or you can be in some other place with a crowd of people in church, or et cetera, and you'll hear somebody use the name that's your name and you'll turn around and look who it is and want to respond to it. Well, Barabbas is hearing his name, but he also hears two words that go along with that name. Chapter 15 of Mark and verse 13. And they cried out again, here's the crying of the crowd, crucify him. And also you'll notice in chapter 15, verse 14, then Pilate said unto them, why, what evil hath he done? And they cried out the more exceedingly, crucify him. So Barabbas is in his cell. He's under the sentence of death. He is waiting for a time of execution and he hears Barabbas, Barabbas, and he hears crucify him, crucify him. Now, there's no CNN, there's no MSNBC, there's no Fox radio sharing what's actually going on the details. The only thing Barabbas knows is my time is up and I am going to die. God clearly wants this situation to capture our attention. And we know that for four reasons. Number one, all four Gospels cover it. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Number two, over 35 verses are dedicated to this incident. Number three, in Mark, and I call Mark Jesus' cameraman because he takes quick shots of things. For example, read the first chapter. Everything moves so quickly. But when it comes to this incident of Barabbas and Jesus, you'll notice there are nine verses dedicated to it. That's a large portion for the book of Mark. And then fourthly, you'll note this. Barabbas is referred to by name 10 times. In Matthew, he is named clearly five times. In Mark, three times. In Luke, one time. And then there's one pronoun, him, referring to Barabbas. And then in John, one time. So there's 10 clear references by name to Barabbas in the word of God. Now, why? <clears throat> well, in this dark and dreary scene of death, God is going to paint a portrait of his love and life. Some of you know that my wife is an artist. And one of the things I enjoy about watching her do art is this. She'll take a blank palette or she'll take a blank piece of wood and then she'll start working on it. She'll start sketching it out, and then she maybe will draw it in. Then she'll start painting. She'll start adding colors and whatever. And right before your eyes just becomes this beautiful picture, beautiful portrait, or beautiful painting that rises up out of that blank palette. God is seeking in this incident with Barabbas and Jesus to raise up a beautiful portrait of his love to all of us. How do we see that? Well, we see it, number one, by looking at this. Barabbas deserved to die. <clears throat> Barabbas deserved to die. He was what we would call, folks, a bad man. If you notice with me in verse uh, chapter 27 of Matthew, and in verse 16, we read these words. Matthew 27, verse 16. And they had then a notable prisoner called Barabbas. Now, the word notable means he was well-known. 
And sadly, he was well known not for his good deeds or actions, but he was well known for his bad deeds and actions. He was a notable prisoner. And finally, he was at the place where he needed to be, on death row, ready to die. I'm sure that most of us have heard the rule, three strikes and you're out. Well, Barabbas certainly illustrates this rule in his life. When you take a look at his life, you'll see three strikes against him. The first one is found in John chapter 18, verse 40, where it says this, Now Barabbas was a robber. Now, robbery is something that you're taking something that doesn't belong to you. Uh, Oftentimes, there's no violence involved in it. There's no murder involved in it. It is simply an act of selfishness where someone takes something that belongs to them. Maybe they get caught. Maybe they don't. That's robbery. Well, Barabbas, Barabbas was a robber. I think that was his first strike against him. And I think it was his first step down in a life of crime. The second thing you'll note is found in our Matthew passage that's in front of us right now, and that's in chapter 15, verse 7. It says this, Now there was one named Barabbas, which lay bound with him that had made insurrection with him, who had committed murder in the insurrection. He had a part in an insurrection. The insurrection is a rising up against the Roman rule. Also, you'll notice in chapter 23 of Luke, verse 19, it words it this way, who for a certain sedition made in the city. Sedition means opposition to Roman government. And I believe that the first strike against Barabbas, this notable prisoner, was he was a robber in John chapter 18. Now, in Mark 15, he was involved in insurrection. In Luke 30, 23, very similar to that, sedition. But now the third strike against them is again found here in Mark chapter 15, verse 7, where it says that he committed murder in the insurrection. This was the third strike against him. Murder is the taking of one's life unlawfully. In Luke the physician, he says that this way in chapter 23, verse 19, and for murder was cast in the prison. Why? because he went too far. Now, I believe all of us can agree at this point that Barabbas deserved to die. Barabbas was a bad man. He was a robber. He was involved in insurrection and sedition. And somehow that led to murder, whether that murder was premeditated and planned or whether that murder was just a fit of passion and temper. He did it and he was guilty of it and he's bound in prison for it. I'm sure you've heard this phrase along the way, if you're any kind of Christian circles in your life, and if you're not, and haven't been in Christian circles in your life, let me share this with you, because it is ever so true. I don't even know who said it, who wrote it. I've heard it for years, and certainly Barabbas illustrates it. Sin always takes you further than you want to go. Sin always keeps you longer than you want to stay, And sin always costs you more than you want to pay. Barabbas deserved to die. He was a sinner, a robber, an insurrectionist, a murderer. Never set out on the trail to do that probably, but just found himself once he had one strike, went to the second, went to the third, and here he is now, a notable prisoner on death row, waiting for his name to be called 
and waiting for his execution to take place. Now, we mentioned there were two options here, though, in this chapter. And the second option was Jesus deserved to live. Jesus deserved to live. Where we have three strikes and you're out for Barabbas, we have three no faults for Jesus. Barabbas hung around a bad crowd and ended up doing bad things. Jesus, however, at the same time, hung around a good crowd. His apostles and disciples, uh, he ran around with them, taught them, ministered with them, and went about doing good. Luke the physician, as we made reference to earlier, says this in chapter 23, verse 22, and he said unto them the third time, why, what evil hath he done? Pilate's asking the question about Jesus. What's he done? Where are his strikes? There aren't any. In fact, you see that in the passage we have opened before us, Mark chapter 15 and verse 14. Then Pilate said unto them, why, what evil hath he done? Uh, There was no fault here. In fact, if you look at a summary of Jesus's life, it could be given in Acts chapter 10, verse 38. Remember, Luke the physician wrote the Gospel of Luke, and he also wrote the book of Acts. And I think he summarizes it very well under inspiration of the Holy Spirit when he says this in chapter 10, verse 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good. Where Barabbas was doing bad, three strikes against him, Jesus was doing good, and there was three no faults. Now, you may ask, why do I say three no faults? Well, both in the book of John and the book of Luke, we have this outlined for us. Let's go ahead and take a look at the look at the book of Luke, chapter 23. And as Pilate is now dealing with Jesus uh, in this same passage and same time period that we're looking at here, There are things pointed out that we don't see as clearly in Mark, but at the same time and the same incident. And what we find, first of all, is this. Luke chapter 23, verse 4, Pilate makes this statement. Luke 23, 4, Then said Pilate to the chief priest and to the people, I find no fault in this man. That's paralleled in John chapter 18, verse 38, which says, I find in him no fault at all. You go down to chapter 23 of Luke and look at verse 14, and you read these words. Then said, excuse me, said unto them, Ye have brought this man unto me as one that perverteth the people, and behold, I having examined him, remember Pilate knew how to do that, I having examined him before you have found, here's number two, no fault in this man touching those things whereof ye accuse him. You'll also notice in John chapter 19, verse 4, it puts it this way, I find no fault in him. Now, the third no fault is found in Luke chapter 23, verse 22. We read this. And he said unto them the third time, Why, what evil hath he done? I have found no cause of death in him. I will therefore chasten him and let him go. There's our third no fault, and it parallels with John 19, Verse 6, where it says, I find no fault in him. So as we go back to the book of um, Mark, and we go back to our 15th chapter that we're keying this study on today, we recognize that you have Barabbas deserving to die. He had three strikes against him. He was a robber, 
and he was an insurrectionist, and he was a murderer. And now you find Jesus, who deserves to live, he has three no faults. Pilate examined him, and by the way, when you read those passages later, you'll see he also sent him to Herod, and Herod said the same thing Pilate said. There's no fault in this man. So there was no reason for Jesus to die at all, but there was every reason for Barabbas to die. Now, the question that naturally comes next is this. Why the exchange? Why the exchange? Well, the exchange only makes sense when you understand God's superintending hand over the events of man. And what God does in this chapter of Scripture, as well as Matthew and Luke and John, is he illustrates for us by painting a portrait of what Jesus Christ is doing by going to the cross, not only for Barabbas, but also for us too. I can word it this way. God illustrates in clear fashion the substitutionary nature of Christ's death by the release of Barabbas. I mentioned in the beginning substitutionary atonement. What does that mean? It's a theological term. Well, the term substitutionary means the act of replacing someone. Now, Jesus replaced Barabbas. The one who deserved to die was replaced with the one who deserved to live. And atonement means reparation for sin, payment for sin. And where Barabbas should have paid for his own sin by dying, Jesus paid the price for him. It's worded this way in Romans chapter 5, verse 8. In that while we were yet sinners, and remember, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You don't have to be a robber, don't have to be an insurrectionist, don't have to be a murderer to qualify as a sinner. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. What a wonderful portrait of God's love we see in this these passages of Scripture that deal with Barabbas and Jesus and deal with Barabbas being set free and Jesus taking his place and dying for him on the cross. Barnhouse, in his commentary, worded this incident a lot better than I can, and so I'm going to seek to read it. I made a copy of it and put it in my notes for us, and I want to read it for us if we may. It says, Barabbas joins Barabbas joins the processional that is making his way to Calvary. Remember, Jesus was taken to be crucified, but Barabbas was set free. And he watches Jesus as he's crucified. Barabbas hears the sound of the hammer and knows that the blows that are fastening Jesus to the rough wooden cross were meant for him. Barabbas sees the cross lifted high in the place and knows that he is the one that should be dying on it. Jesus cries, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing, Luke 23, 34. And a centurion has commanded the execution party, who commands the execution party, exclaims, Surely this man was the Son of God, Mark 15, 39. Brabus must have been saying, What this man took my place. I'm the one that should have died. I'm the condemned murderer. That man did nothing wrong. He is dying for me. And then Barnhouse concludes this. Barabbas was the only man in the world who could say that Jesus took his physical place, but all who are Christians can say that Jesus Christ took their spiritual place 
on the cross of Calvary. The fact that we are all sinners means that we all deserve to die. We deserve the eternal punishment of the lake of fire, but Jesus was delivered up for our offenses that we might have eternal life. Yes, this is the substitutionary atonement that is illustrated between Barabbas and Jesus and the passages that we're looking at. What an amazing portrait of God's love. Now, there's one more thing we want to cover before we finish today, and it's a natural question that would arise. I know I thought of it. Others have thought of it. You're probably thinking of it right now. And that is one final thought. Whatever became of Barabbas? Wouldn't it be wonderful to read in the scripture that Barabbas became one of the great followers of Jesus and went into a certain area and established the testimony and planted churches like the Apostle Paul or did things of that nature? But God chose to keep silent in regard to what Barabbas ended up doing with his life. But as we think about it, we can make three, uh, I think, three fairly accurate conclusions here. Three possibilities of what Barabbas may have done. Number one is this. Barabbas may have, hopefully, we hope he did, understood the value of what Christ did for him and received the Lord Jesus Christ as a Savior and started out with a fresh life of serving the Lord. Wouldn't that have been wonderful? 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things pass away, all things become new. Barabbas seen visually what Jesus did by taking his place, allowing Jesus to be his savior, and then going forth and serving him with heart, soul, and might. That'd be wonderful. And, and the question would be, is that you? Have you come to the place of trusting Jesus Christ as your savior, and are you wholeheartedly seeking to follow and live for him? But the second option is this. We would regret it to hear that Barabbas rejected what Jesus Christ did for him on the cross and rejected the plan of salvation and returned to his old life. Maybe even returned to his own life to the place where he had three more strikes against him and ended up back in death row and maybe eventually was even put to death for his sin. I, I don't know, but I would hope that wouldn't be the case. So we have the option that he either understood it and valued it or we have the option that he regretted, uh, that we regret that he didn't learn it, didn't accept Christ. Or there's a third option. And the third option is this. We would feel very sad to learn that Barabbas simply took what Jesus did for him on the cross for granted and lived a mediocre life. Uh, he saved, but didn't really do anything didn't tell anybody about the Lord, didn't pray, didn't read a Bible, didn't encourage anyone in the Lord, didn't serve in any way, that would be sad, wouldn't it? And so the question mark comes to us as we close the study today. What have we done in regard to Jesus taking our place on the cross of Calvary? He did it physically for Barabbas, but he did it spiritually for us. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin hath left a crimson stain, but he washed me white as snow. What a wonderful portrait of God's love we have seen in Barabbas, mentioned 10 times in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and painting a beautiful portrait to it for us of God's love and 
and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He took our place. Well, this has been from the Pastor Study with Pastor Marty Macedo, and you may email me at Macedo, M-A-S-I-T-T-O, F-H-M, for Fellow Helpers Ministries, at gmail.com. Lord willing, we'll post another Bible study next week. But remember what we said just a moment ago. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved and become a part of this beautiful portrait along with Barabbas. Have you made this an important decision in your Christian walk, in your life? Have you made a decision to trust Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? If not, why not do so today? And if so, remember to value what he did for you and live your life for him. Thank you for listening, and I trust you have a great day.